Welcome to the fifth quarter. Conversations beyond the X and O's with your hosts, Layson Perkins and Jeff Osterman. Join the journey as they learn from coaches, authors, military leaders, successful entrepreneurs, business people, and motivators. Tonight, we welcome to the show Jason Helms of Any Man Fitness. He's been featured in Men's Health, GQ, Bro Bible. Layson, you got to look at Bro Bible. It's a new website that I'm all about. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's great. But more than that, he is a husband, a father, just an overall great person, I think, with with a golden heart. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and Jason, thank you so much for coming. Maybe take a quick time out and fill us in on your journey. Well, awesome, Jeff and Layson. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you guys. Um, I'm 41. I live in a town called Canton, Michigan, which is halfway between Ann Arbor and Detroit, little, little, little suburb of Detroit, if you will. Um, and I played a little bit of baseball in college, and that that usually kept me in pretty good shape. And I was always an athlete growing up. Before that, you know, played basketball and baseball in high school and everything. And and once I got into the real world, it was one of those things where I was so burnt out from playing sports pretty much nonstop my entire life until the age of you know 21 that I kind of kind of just quit, if you will. You know, tired of the conditioning, tired of the weightlifting, tired of the running, just. Kind of tired of it. I've been doing it since I was, you know, four years old or something like that. And uh, wouldn't you know it, when you stop all of your activity, guess what's going to happen to you? Uh, you know, I ended up gaining a, a whole bunch of weight. And uh, by the time I got into my upper twenties, I weighed close to three hundred pounds. Um, I am a tall guy. I'm I'm six foot eight. So people said that I carried it well, but I didn't feel like I carried it well. I hated what I saw when I looked in the mirror and everything. Um, and so, you know, shortly after I got married, I, I would start going to the gym. You know, I said, honey, I, th- I think it's time for me to go to the gym and get back into shape. And I'd, I'd go through this cycle of losing 30 or 40 pounds and feeling a little better and looking a little better. And then slowly it would, I, I would gain it back. And then I'd lose the 30 or 40 pounds again and I'd gain it back again. And, and this cycle went on for years um, until I finally almost got, got ticked off at myself for putting all this effort into going to the gym constantly, trying to eat right, trying to eat healthy, but ultimately not succeeding. I, I remember looking around the gym, seeing a lot of people that I knew I tried harder than them at the gym. I put in more effort than they did. I sweat more than they did. I, you know, But they were lean and, and muscular and looked amazing. And I did not look like any of those things. Um, so I, I did a deep dive into the world of nutrition, into the world of exercise science after uh, my first daughter, Brooklyn, was born. And that was in 2010. And I really researched, you know, what are the best ways to lose fat? What are the most effective ways to lose fat consistently and get all the fat off of you that you need? What are the ways to reduce hunger? You know, what types of exercises are the best for long-term success that that are sustainable and consistent so I can really tackle this beast and stop the yo-yo madness of, of losing and regaining the same 30 or 40 pounds. And, and that was back in about 2010, like I said, shortly thereafter. Uh, and over the next two years of tinkering with various protocols and trying out different things, I tried all kinds of stuff. I tried 
keto before it was even a thing. Like it wasn't called keto back then. Uh, that, that's kind of a new thing over the last few years, but I went zero carb for a really long time. I tried intermittent fasting. I ate paleo. I tried the small meals. I tried just all kinds of different stuff. Um, but over the course of that experimentation, it took about two years, I ended up losing about 85, 90 pounds in the process. And I went from almost 300 down to, I believe at my lowest, I was about 206 pounds. And that was the leanest I had been since I was in like eighth grade. You know, it's, I mean, I'm six foot eight. So I, that was the last time I remember seeing a weight that well. And, and it was not like I was skin and bones or anything. It was like, you know, I could deadlift 450 pounds and squat 300. And I was super strong from all the, the, the weight training that I was doing. Um, but I just had very little body fat. Um, and I had some friends who had seen this drastic transformation, like just completely drastic like you know usually people go on a diet and like i said they'll lose they'll do what i did like lose 30 or 40 pounds look and feel a little bit better and then maybe they'll maintain it or maybe it'll creep back on them sort of a deal but no it's like i didn't i didn't stop and there was no reason to because when i was doing the researching um and, and and studying i made sure that everything that i was doing was sustainable and that was the first time that i had done that right uh before that it was like I, when i would do the yo-yo stuff i would decide okay, I need to lift weights for 90 minutes, four times a week. I need to do cardio every day for an hour. I need to, you know, and I would just kill myself five, six, seven days per week. And, and, and I realized that was what was burning me out is such a huge focus on thrashing myself and killing myself in the gym was making my fitness regimen unsustainable. And it was in essence, burning me out the same way that that sports had burned me out when I was in my late teens and early twenties. Um, so I had some friends that started asking, Hey, how'd you do this? And I started you know, just having fun with it. Oh, cool. I get to coach you. This will be fun. Sort of a thing. Just my buddies from college and stuff. And, and wouldn't you know it just one by one, they started getting very similar results to what I was getting. Um, and one of my buddies, he got a six pack for the first time ever in his life at the age of in like 32, 33 years. So, I mean, who gets a six pack at 33 after being overweight for, for years. And, and I remember I played softball with him and, and it was 2013. I'll, I'll never forget this May of 2013. And it's after softball. And all of a sudden we're not eating chicken wings and beer anymore. We, we've got like, you know, we got our salads with, with, and not like you have to eat salad when you diet. I'm sure we'll get to that, but I, I love to eat. But I think at this point we had some salads were loaded up with grilled chicken breast and we were going to town. We were drinking iced teas. Yeah, these are, these are manly men after softball with their salads and iced teas. Right. Um, but anyways, he's, he's asking me questions, you know, what should I do about this workout? What should I do about that workout? Okay. When should I eat this? When should I eat that? You know, what should I do with my diet? What should I, and I'm, I'm just answering as, as truthfully and honestly as I can. And this goes on for like 15 to 20 minutes. And it was a Thursday night. And I remember he said, so when are you going to start a business? And I said, what are you talking about? Like, you know, at this point, just been, you know, five or six friends or something, just helping them out on the side. Um, and, he, and I was like, you know, what do you mean? When did I start a business? He goes, you're really good at this. And you know exactly what to do. And you're answering all my questions. And I'm in the best shape of my life. And he said, people are going to pay good money if you can help them out in this way. And you'd provide a valuable service. You're not doing it in any sort of a wrong way. You're not trying to scam people with supplements or ride fads or gimmicks. It's a sustainable approach, a lifestyle approach to your diet and into your training regimen. You should start a business. And the very next day on a Friday afternoon, 
I, I thought about it for like, you know, three, three, 30 seconds, you know, what's my name going to be? Any man fitness. And, you know, it just, it just kind of rolled off my tongue because I was, I was just a teacher. I was a teacher. I was teaching middle school at the time. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm a regular guy. I'm an, I'm an any man, if you will. So that's kind of where the name came from. And I, I hopped on to Google and I literally typed in how to start a website <laughs> and, and, and I followed the instructions and took out the domain name and took out the uh, WordPress blogs were huge back then. Uh, maybe not so much anymore. Maybe more people are in the, the podcasting realm, but back then blogs were enormous. And that's where I got most of my good information from. Um, I had to sift through some of the bullshit that was out there to find you know, the reputable sources, the people that were evidence-based and unbiased and uh, who uh, were, were going to feed it to you straight and not get you to buy their their silly supplements that aren't going to work or, or try to hoodwink you. Um, so I said, you know what? I, I could probably talk about my experiences at least and, and help people out. And I started blogging in, in May of 2013, um, and, and I just started writing articles, uh, one to two articles per week, every single week. And I wrote those articles uh, from 2013 to 2016, and they're all up on my site. Just hundreds and hundreds of articles. Um, you know, most were pretty decent, some were shit, and some were amazing, and they went viral. <laughs> like it's just, and that's kind of how that that sort of a thing works, right? When you create content. Uh, but slowly, slowly but surely, I started building a, a following, started building a clientele, and eventually in 2016, I had to leave the classroom. My schedule was insane by then. I had gotten up to probably you know, 150 to 100, 175 clients, something like that, in, in that time frame. I um, started from zero in 2013. But I mean, my my days were waking up at five in the morning, working on the, the side gig, Eddie Man Fitness, for a couple hours. I had young kids at the time. I'd have to get them to daycare. I'd teach all day. I'd work through all my breaks. Um, hit the gym real quick, go back home, work on the business a little bit longer, uh, go get the girls from daycare, find some time to grade papers and say hi to my wife. Um, and eventually I uh, get the get the kids in bed and work on business until 10, 1030 and pass out. So uh, eventually I had to quit that. Um, so I gave that up in uh, after the 2016 school year. And uh, I've been self-employed ever since then, been building and growing and trying new things and and, and you know, meeting new people in the industry and uh, serving my clients as best I can and just uh, having a great time doing it. Jason, there there's so many. We, we're going to go forever. What, <laughs> what is the most deciding factor? For me, I'm not where I want to be. Uh, I've lost 33. I've got, I don't know how many more to go. Uh, is it the determining factor when you look in the mirror for me it was you know i had gotten from pants to a neck size like oh these are small must have shrunk in the dryer you know you buy the neck size up then i kept buying you know new and new pants but is it the moment for me it's like when i look in the mirror and i have the holy shit i'm fat you know before i'm robust i'm big i'm athletic is that what you find most people are when they have that moment of, I'm just fat and I need help? Is that what pushes people towards you and others? It, it can be. It can. I like to tell people the pain of staying the same has to be worse than the pain of change. 
And once you hit that point where you realize if I stay the same, it's going to hurt a hell of a lot more than going to the gym a few times per week or, or getting more steps in or you know, sacrificing some fast food or, or crappy processed nonsense um, and, and actually creating some healthy meals at home. Uh, for me, I actually remember when my oh shit moment, I, I definitely do. My, my grandmother um, had sent me a pair of Dockers for Christmas from Cincinnati up to Michigan. And she asked me what size I was, and I said a 44-inch waist, I believe. And they did not even come close to buttoning up. And I remember going, oh, my God, like this, this is my oh shit moment. And that was, that was actually well before you know, I, I got into the exercise science and really got serious and losing all the weight. That was back before I started doing the, the, right, the 30 or 40-pound yo-yo dieting that I was talking about. But and that was my first time I said – okay, I know my original game plan was basically to stop all this activity because you were tired of training after all those years, but that's not a way to live. You need to learn how to incorporate exercise uh, into your uh, daily routine and and figure out a way to make that a permanent mainstay in order to maintain your health and just uh, really to operate at the highest level that you can possibly operate just just in life in general. Uh, But to, to answer your original question, I went on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, to answer your original question, the individual does need to, at some point, realize that if they they are either on a trajectory that is not going to end well, I think that's that that's a real eye opener for a lot of people. I think for a lot of people that happens when they take a close look at their parents, as their parents start to age, and they start to really kind of like around my age. I'm 41 right now, and when you know with our People my age, their parents are getting into their 70s and in some cases their 80s, if you're lucky enough to still have them around. I know a lot of people whose his parents have already passed away from various preventable health ailments due to lifestyle. We all, we all know people like that. Um, so that can be a real eye-opener for some people, the mortality of, of their own parents and seeing that their current trajectory is taking them on a similar path. Um, but yeah, at some point, like the, the pain of looking at yourself, you said, you know, I, I hit this point where I just go, oh, my God, I'm fat. And, and yeah, I think that some people that that definitely happens, they realize like anything would be better than having to look at this each day and just not be happy with it and satisfied and, and you know, um, you know, proud of it. You know, nobody wants to be that guy or gal that has to keep their shirt on in the pool because they're just, they're embarrassed by what they look like, you know? Jason, you know, let's talk about this yo-yo. I love your thoughts on sustainability, but is it almost such a negative? Like I would do a diet and you lose eight, 10 pounds and then yo-yo, you're back to where you were and you almost have like, throw your hands up like shit. It wasn't worth me working out and walking and lifting and eating, right? Because I just put it all back on. How, how do you overcome mentally that part of the yo-yo? Well, and, and mentally, you said it right there yourself. It's, a lot of it is mental. Um, there's a few different stages when you're trying to change yourself for the better. The first stage I call the motivation stage. And unfortunately, the motivation stage does not last long. 
right? Something happens. You have that, oh, shit moment, if you will. And you say, okay, I'm determined this time. And when that happens, you feel all sorts of motivation. You have these emotions that are flowing through you. But the first thing that, that everyone needs to realize and, and that I finally realized, too, because I would, I would go on these spurts of you know a few months where I would just kill it in the gym, lose a bunch of weight, and then, like you, know, like you said, gain it all back. But that motivation stage is not going to last long. It's going to last a few weeks. Um, if you're lucky, you might be able to push it to a few months. But motivation is kind of it's kind of like puppy love, you know, where you're you're dating someone and at the beginning it's all goo goo gaga country music songs and you just want to talk to the person, be with them all the time and blah blah blah. But but and as you know, like if you once you get married, if you're in a real marriage that lasts a long. not necessarily going to be something that lasts very long. Um, but after that motivation wears off, that's when you hit the discipline stage. And during that motivation stage, it's extremely important that you build a proper routine while you're motivated. Routine will get you everywhere, right? You want to make sure that you're waking up at, at roughly the same time each day, going to sleep at the same time each day, you're hydrating each day. Um, you've, you've got your food plan down, whatever your food plan is. And we can talk about that in a little bit. Hopefully your food plan is a proper one and you're not you know, starving yourself or using means that, that aren't sustainable. Um, but it's super, super important to do everything that you can to create some sort of a habitual routine while you're in that motivation stage. Because after the motivation stage is the discipline stage. That motivation wears off. You're going to wake up one day and all those warm, fuzzy feelings from the start where you're like, this is, this is it. I'm really going to do it. Those feelings are gone and they're no longer with you. And now you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, it's like day 40. I'm sore. I'm tired. All I want to do is sleep in. I don't want to eat this healthy shit. I want to go you know, stop at McDonald's or Starbucks or what, right? We've all been there before, but that's when discipline needs to kick in. And that's where you need to start relying on your routine, start relying a little bit more on the habits that you hopefully have built during your motivation stage. And the discipline stage, you just have to tell yourself, I will not miss a workout. I will not deviate from my diet. It's just not going to happen. And you need to do everything that you can to harness and hold on to that discipline through that stage. And that discipline stage varies from person to person. Um, my discipline stage lasted about two years. I think I could have probably gotten out of it earlier than that. But like in my head, I was like, you have stopped so many times in your life. So you need to stop stopping. So I like I refused to miss a workout for two years straight. Like I didn't miss any. And I was teaching at the time, like I said, with young kids. Sometimes I'd have forced myself to get up at four o'clock in the morning to go work out. Sometimes if I had parent teacher conferences and they were over at 930 at night, uh, whatever, that's when I'm going to the gym. I don't care. I refuse to not work out because I, I so wanted to build that habit. And that's the best part is that after you get through the discipline stage, you're at a point where you start having feelings where like all of a sudden you feel like crap if you don't work out. All of a sudden you feel like crap if you don't eat healthy. When you start to notice those feelings, that's a very, very good thing, right? Because really your, your, your psychology is working for you 
and not against you. Instead of your brain trying to come up, you know, right? Yeah, you, you ever have those moments where your 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 rational side is over there saying, "Hey, you need to work out. You need to eat right. You need to X Y Z." And then the little devil's on the other side. Your emotional side's going, "Oh, but man, you just want to order a pizza. You just want to get drive through. You just want to turn on Netflix or watch a basketball game, right? Those sorts of right." Once you get to the habit stage and you get through that discipline stage, those thoughts stop. Like it just becomes what you do. It's just, just like it's part of your identity at that point. I'm, the, I'm a fitness guy. I, I, I work out. I eat right. That's what I do. And it doesn't mean you can never go enjoy yourself or you can never skip a workout, but it, it's part of you. So it's like, you know, I compare it to once you get to that stage, yeah, if you miss every once in a while, no big deal. Like now if I miss, I, I, don't, I don't think twice. Like, okay, whatever. I just I missed the workout, no big deal. But it's kind of like when you get to that stage, it's almost like brushing your teeth. If you forget to brush your teeth one day, that doesn't mean you're never going to brush your teeth ever again. It just means, oh, I forgot one night I fell asleep, and oh, oh gross, I better brush them quickly in the morning, right? It just becomes a part of your identity, a part of your routine, a part of your schedule. And that's really, once you get to that point, that's when your fitness becomes automated. And that's when you know, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to ride this out forever, and I've truly made it a lifestyle. I love the analogy of, of just brushing your teeth. It's okay. Your teeth aren't going to fall out. You got to get back. You got to do it. And, and for me, uh, when I was rolling, that was it. But maybe, Jason, for males, females, for anyone, even someone 6'8", when you walk into a gym the first time, that intimidation factor of seeing either muscle heads, just six packs forever, or the hot little perfect body 10 girl. How do you get past mentally? What advice do you give people who are joining the gym? They're committed. They're going to, they're going to follow whatever people have said. And now they walk in and they're just seeing the other extremes. How, how do you get past that? No, it's, it's tough. And that, that's a question that I get frequently. From, from clients and from you know, people that I, I interact with online. Um, and I remember having those feelings, even though I, I'm a big person, six foot eight, and, and, and uh, you know, people might think that that makes you infallible or whatnot. I, I remember walking into the gym after my grandma had given me those doctors that didn't button up. And I had on my Easter, I remember I had on my Eastern Michigan baseball t-shirts. It's weird, the little details you remember. And I remember doing incline bench press with dumbbells. I think I probably only grabbed like the thirties or forties or something. And I sat down to do it, to do them. And I leaned back and this huge gut just spilled out of this Eastern Michigan shirt. Um, and, and I remember kind of like, you know, looking around, does anybody see this huge gut that's taken? So, and I know what you're talking about, that those feelings happen to all of us. But um, honestly, for me personally, it was, I was just like, I, I don't care. Right. Going back to the pain of me, of someone seeing my belly is not worse than the pain of me not getting in shape. You know, I would rather have, you know, this pain over here than that. I'd rather have someone look at my belly than not be here. I don't care. Like that, that was my mindset. But, but I know that that not everybody has that mindset. One of the best pieces of advice I can possibly give somebody who's intimidated to go into the, you know, the weights section specifically, not many people are intimidated by the cardio section, but the weight section, that's where the trend, that's where the real transformations are made. Right. Um, but the best piece of advice I can give someone is that nobody cares about you. And I don't mean that in a bad way. That should be something that's liberating. Like those people in that weight room, 
they don't care about you. I am not looking. I'm the biggest meathead dude there now. Like, you know, back when I started 10, 12 years ago, I was not. But now I'm that guy that, you know, people would look at and say, oh, this big, hulking, intimidating weightlifter dude. But, like, I don't care about any of – I care about myself. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so tuned into what I'm doing that I'm not noticing this person or that person. And quite frankly, oftentimes when I see a beginner that's struggling, I'll go over there and talk to them. And, and people that lift weights regularly, they have the utmost respect for noobs in the gym. We all start with the bar. All of us. Like I, I started with the bar um, and there's dudes that are – way bigger than I am at my gym and way stronger and have way more muscle. And guess what? They started with the bar and the person that's using 135 pounds, they started with the bar. The person that's using just the bar who just started, they're starting with the bar too. It's weightlifting specifically is one of the most all inclusive activities on the face of the planet. It does not matter how old you are. It does not matter your gender. It does not matter your fitness background, how out of shape you are, how much you weigh. Um, you know, unless you have some extreme physical limitations that, and, and and even those people can likely work around them. But strength training and lifting weights is one of the most high, one of the highest ROI activities on earth that you can do, and it's one of the few activities that that are one hundred percent all inclusive. Um, I recently, I just got back a couple of minutes ago from my daughter's figure skating activities. I could, I could get on skates and practice for the next five years and I'm not going to be an awesome skater. I'm just not, I'm six foot eight. I'm, uh, you know, I, 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 anything that has to do with balance, I'm just terrible at, um, but weightlifting is different, man. It's just different. I, I just, I firmly believe it's something that will benefit everybody. And yeah, um, I can promise you those gym rats, they have respect for the noobs. They have real respect for the noobs. And you know when they get even more respect for the noobs? When they show up over and over and over. And pretty soon those 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 veterans, those grizzled veterans, they're gonna start giving you fist bumps, they're gonna start giving you head nods, you know, and they're and, and you're gonna become one of them. But you know, that's just part of your own everyone has their own insecurities, and that is something that you just weightlifting in and of itself, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and that's a big part of it too. Just saying, you know, I'm here, I pay my gym dues just like anybody else. And I'm going to get into that weight room and I'm going to toss that iron around. Jason, you mentioned the word earlier, identity. And I know for me personally, I come from a family with weight issues. It, it, it's, it's been a struggle. And so ingrained in my mind is this identity that I'm supposed to be fat. And I think a lot of times what that does, it then, then creates a victim mentality of, oh, I'm a victim of my genes, or I'm a victim of this, or a victim of that. How do you work with your clients to help them overcome that? That's, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one because, you know, it's, even though in many cases when you run across someone that has a lot of weight to lose, it might not be entirely their fault. And that is the truth. In a lot of cases, sometimes it's environmental. Sometimes there are actual medical conditions that are that are underlying. Um, I would say that would be exceedingly rare. Usually, as you said, uh, it kind of becomes the the cope that people use or the victim victim sort of a mindset or mentality. But there are scenarios. 
right, where you might have certain, um, you know, underlying genetic issues that, that could cause problems and make things difficult. But, you know, I like to, to say that you know, even though your current situation might not be entirely your fault, it's still your responsibility to improve it. You know? um, and, and so what are your options if you're in that situation? You know, what are your options if your whole family is overweight or maybe you're all your friends are overweight or maybe your significant other is overweight and, you know, maybe kind of sabotaging you a little bit. That can happen. That happens a lot. And, and, uh, I see it in, I see it both ways. I've seen you know, guys trying to get into better shape and, 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 and their wives, they don't want to give up their wine habit or their four nights per week dining out or, or whatever, they don't want to work out, or and you know, maybe they'll feel insecure, like like their husbands might leave them or something. And sadly, I've seen it the other way as well. Um, I've seen it where uh, women are trying to get into better shape and trying to trying trying to lose that weight. And I, I've heard stories of husbands, you know, cracking a beer and a bag of chips in front of them and kind of like mocking them as they're, oh, I bet you what, like that sort of shit, which just drives me up the wall batty as a coach. Um, but no, um, even though those situations are tough, I think a lot of it is needs to become an internal struggle, right? The, the hero's journey. What are you going to do? Because in essence, you need to take responsibility. I'm not, not necessarily saying you, Layson, but I just, in general, you know, you need to take responsibility for you, you know, your mom, your dad, your sister, your friend, your spouse, they are not going to be the ones that determine um, what food you eat. They shouldn't be the ones that determine whether you exercise or not. That really is entirely on you. And just because they don't do those actions doesn't mean that you by default shouldn't be doing those actions either. You're, you're entirely separate people. Um, so it does go back to, to identity and that does help big time. If you start, having more kind self-talk and start and start saying things like, like I am a weightlifter, not necessarily I have to go lift weights today. Like I am a weightlifter. That's what, that's what I do. Right. Your identity is important and it's not, Oh, I can't eat out. I'm on a diet. It's no, I'm a healthy eater. Those are two very, very different ways of thinking about something. And even if you got to fake it at the beginning, you got to fake it till you make it. If you say it over and over enough, then eventually after you show those habits and, and you know, over and over repeatedly, consistently over time, right? Um, it, it does become who you are and what you do. And honestly, I speak from experience. I mean, I was the guy that would buy a large pizza and a bag of chips and a six pack or shit, 12 or 18 pack of beer and wash it all down in one night and just smash the beer cans on my head and pass out. I mean, that, that was me, man. Like I was the life of the party, huge, huge, excessive consumer. That was 100% me. And now I'm the exact opposite. All my friends know me as I'm the fitness guy. I'm the guy that, that works out, that takes care of his body, takes care of himself, runs his own business. Right. From middle school teacher to, to, to running your own business. Like, so it's, it's your identity can change, but you need to decide that it's going to change whether the people around you are supportive and helpful or not. Because that's another thing, too, that a lot of people don't like to talk about. 
when you decide you want to be a better version of yourself, you're probably going to lose some friends along the way. It's, it's just, it's a sad reality of it because you'll notice those friends that, you know, that are insecure and maybe they'll, maybe they'll mock you when, you know, maybe I, I know I lost friends back when I, when I was teaching because they would want to go to happy hour every Friday and I'd say, Oh, I'm going, I'm going to the bar. I'm going to the barbell. I'm going to the gym. Sorry guys. And, and I, you know, I stopped for lunch. They would want to dine out to eat all the time when we would have, you know, faculty meetings or whenever we'd have a chance to have a little bit of a longer lunch break, they'd want to go out and, and go out to eat. And I'd say, Nope, I'm going to stay here. At first it was just because I wanted to eat the lunch that I'd prepared and packed because I knew it was a healthy lunch. But <laughs> eventually it was because I wanted to open up my laptop and work on my side gig at the same time I had work to do. <laughs> but, but no, and, and, and I, I lost some of that social interaction. So those things happen. And I had to tell myself, this is for the better. Even if, you know, I'm not friends with Johnny from work or, or whatever, like this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to be. And, and that's that kind of, so. How important is accountability in the journey of when you make this commitment to start taking better care of yourself and, 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 and putting together a plan. How important is it to have someone to, to work with you to just kind of, you know, in the hero's journeys, there's, there's the guide, there's Merlin, there's that person to help guide you along the way. So, so how does, how do you come to Obi-Wan on that journey to, to kind of help, you know, someone um, in, in their goals? Well, I, I think communities are just insanely important when it comes to this sort of a thing. A community can really make or break you. Um, and I was, when I was going through it, uh, myself, my own, my own health journey, it was the early 2010s. So the various internet communities weren't quite as robust as they currently are. It was like, it was message boards, like a lot of message boards, like bodybuilding message boards, dieting message boards, um, even a few Facebook pages they weren't even groups i don't even think facebook groups were around then when i was first doing it uh, but you, you do have to find your tribe somehow um and i think that that just that helps immensely way more so than going out it alone and uh it's a big reason why the crossfit community has gotten just so enormous it's that community aspect that we're all in this together let's do it together let's do it let's do it let's do it sort of a thing you know, um, whether you like CrossFit or you don't, that's something that they have done extremely well and, and built their business on. Um, but there's strength in numbers. Um, our community has loads of husbands, wives, um, husbands, husbands, wives, wives. That happens sometimes, too. Uh, mothers, daughters, uh, brothers of each other, sisters um, and friends. And, and they come and join our community and then get to meet all of us as well. And, yeah, we, we really help each other and, and then end up having each other's backs. But just, you know, accountability is important, um, especially if you're not intrinsically self-motivated or you haven't quite developed that habit. I think that's something that you can foster over time. You can become more intrinsically motivated instead of, you know, extrinsically motivated and, and outwardly motivated and, and, and need all sort of external sort of stimuli to keep you going. I think you can definitely build those that over time, the more you flex that muscle and do something independently, the easier it is to do over time. But no, account accountability is big. It's, it's very big. Um, oftentimes it just, it plain out, plain old helps to have some skin in the game too. 
Um, I know that I, I even, years after I lost all the weight, I hit a, a patch in 2015. Um, I was coaching uh, with Anyman Fitness, and, and I'd been running the business for three years. But I had this mental block where I just I couldn't get myself to eat healthy all of a sudden. It was very strange. Where like I would plan out my meals, and then all of a sudden I'd find myself picking out on, on nonsense. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like You are a fitness coach. You've been doing this for five years. It was very odd. Um, but I knew – you know what? If I get some accountability and get some skin in the game, it's going to help. That'll, that'll help break me out of the funk. Uh, so yeah, I paid a, a bunch of money to a, a, a internet-based fitness coach, and guess what? He did not tell me anything that I didn't know, but it worked beautifully. I had skin in the game. I had someone to answer to, someone to hold me accountable, and it got me, you know, over the gap and and, and through the funk. And I haven't really had a funk like that since then. So, but but we all we all need a push. It's weird how doing these small actions, right. And, you know, hiring a coach or be, getting a, becoming a part of a community, just taking some sort of a step like that is oftentimes the most powerful thing to you because it shows intent, right? It shows that I really intend to do this and really intend to follow through, um, you know, when you join a community or, or yeah, you, you, you put, put forth some dough um, towards your own journey. You mentioned CrossFit earlier. Uh, obviously one of the most popular workout fitness movements around you, you, I drive down the road, there's orange theory where we just, we, we just rejoined our, our local YMC, which is right around the block. So how does a person find the right program, the right teacher? Because, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you, you've been in, you've been on men's health, you know, you've been featured in, uh, GQ and bro Bible. And then there's T-Mac there's, and then there's the, you know, all these different training programs out there that I've read about. How do you sort it, sort through that and find the one that fits you the best as the right, it's going to be the right one. You know, that's difficult uh, to do, especially in 2022. We do not have an information problem in 2020. If anything, we have an over information problem. There is too much stuff that is out there and it's, it's difficult to sift through. Um, First and foremost, I'd look for someone with a long track record of results. Um, especially when you go online, you will notice that there are a lot of guys out there and, and companies and, and gals too um, that they'll use the same two or three before and after pictures over and over and over. And they're the only ones that are on the site. And uh, you want to look to make sure, you know, how long has this person been doing this for? What kind of results is, is this person getting? Um, you know, what sorts really... Oftentimes, people don't necessarily purchase fitness programs, uh, but they join for because they like the coach. Honestly, that happens a lot. It's, some of it is, is what kind of a personality do you have and, and who is that going to mesh with? Maybe you're the type of person that you want your coach to be a drill sergeant type and be yelling and screaming at you all the time. Maybe that works for you. Um, but maybe you need your hand to be held a little bit more. Maybe that works for you. Maybe, you know, and, and we all get motivated by different things. Um, so I do think that there's a trial and error process in, in each of our own individual discoveries where we try out different things. Um, and, and, you know, CrossFit, like, like I said, CrossFit does an amazing job at doing that. But I personally am not necessarily a huge fan of it usually, uh, especially because it's it, it can tend to be high repetition Olympic barbell weightlifting, 
which in and of itself can really cause injury if done incorrectly. And I know that there are some boxes that just have tremendous coaches that do an amazing job. So it really varies from box to box. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one of the, one of the main things is if you're doing that constant high rep stuff, you know, oftentimes you're not building strength and muscle, uh, in the most effective manner. Um, and really that's, that's one of the things that, that, that I like doing in, in reality, I think personally, this is my own opinion. I think everybody needs to be a bodybuilder and I don't mean in like a Ronnie Coleman, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of a way, because what do bodybuilders really try to do? They try to do two things. Thing number one, build muscle. Building muscle is one of the best things any guy or girl can possibly do for life longevity and for life improvement, um, for improving your metabolism, for staying lean long term. Um, every once in a while, people go, oh, I don't want to get bulky. Oh, trust me. I've been trying to get bulky lifting weights for 10 years, and it hasn't happened yet. You're not going to start lifting weights. And, you know, that's that's like saying I don't want to, you know, drive a car because I'm scared I'll end up like Al Unser Jr. or something. I mean, that's just that's a silly comparison to make. Um, but building muscle is, is incredible, uh, and, and it's something that is going to prevent you from getting injuries. It's something that is going to help you recover more quickly if you have a surgery or you get sick. It's something that's going to make you more useful. Uh, you know, you'll probably be asked to move some heavy furniture every time your friends have to move. And, you know, I, I get that uh, frequently from people. And, and really one of the best things, um, you know, uh, men, after they reach about the age of 30, if you are not actively strength training, you are in a state of catabolism, meaning you are losing muscle nonstop which I think is the most wild thing about the age of 30. If you're not actively resistant training on a regular basis, you're losing muscle. And that's why when you end up being 70, 75, 80 years old, you see, uh, you know, frail old bodies usually um, if they did not take strength training seriously. So I, I, that's a big, big driving point for me. So anyways, there, there's number one. I think everyone should be Gain, trying to gain muscle. And number two, um, if you have excess body fat, bodybuilders try to burn off that excess body fat. And, and I think that, that that's inherently an extremely healthy thing to do is, you know, if you can aim for a benchmark, and it's a lofty benchmark, uh, but if you can aim for a benchmark of uh, about under 20% body fat for men, that's like the health cut off healthy you know if you could get down below 15 that'd be even better but that's kind of pushing it that, that that's tough to do for a lot of people to get down that low but 20 percent body fat is about the cutoff for general health for guys and about uh, 25 to 30 percent body fat is is the cutoff for general health now, anything lower than that when i say general health what i mean is anything lower that is probably more aesthetic than it is actual positive health outcomes when you get down that low. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, those two things in tandem, uh, lifting weights for strength, for, for quality of life, for gaining muscle, um, and dieting uh, appropriately in order to maintain muscle and, and lose excess body fat uh, is one of the best ways to go about it. So you know, that's what I talk about. Um, when I'm on these podcasts, that's what I talk about in my articles and in my content online. And because of that, that's the people that, that I attract as, as clients. Um, so, um, yeah, um, you know, that original question came from, you know, how do you get that accountability? Well, you got to find what it is that, that you're looking for. Maybe you want to do CrossFit. Maybe you want to do the boot camp style or the Orange Theory style stuff. Or maybe maybe you're a runner and you want to 
really get into that or you want to get into cycling or you you, know, you want to join a, a, a Muay Thai gym or a boxing gym, whatever it is you want to do, you need to decide you know, what you're passionate about and what you want to do and, and go seek that tribe out. And that's going to really give you that accountability that you're after. Well, Jason, I mean, Jeff, one more question I want to ask Jason here before you, before you, before you jump back in. You talked about the before and after pictures. I'm sure you remember the Body for Life program, Bill Phillips and, and, and kind of, you know, that, that. Did that help or hurt the industry? Does, did those, does those type of programs really work? Or is that just a short-term solution? Uh, m- most of the things that you see that are on an uh, infomercial <laughs> are shorter term solutions. There are, you know, there is some good with it, right? You know, those, those type of, of, of crazy transformation type things, the P90Xs or the insanities, or there's another one. Beach that body, all those like yeah, different ones. Come, right, right. They come around, they come and go. And I'll tell you what, Tony, Tony Horton uh, definitely became the, uh, he had a very nice business model. I will tell you that you got to admire the guy for that without a doubt. Exactly. Um, and you know, I do know some people, it's a very small segment of the population, but I know some people that have bought those P90 X videos and have done them pretty much on repeat for years and years and years. I don't know how they do it. I could not bring myself to, to be jumping around in my living room for that long, years and years and years doing the same videos over and over and over again. But I, so I can't say that they don't work. Um, as far as transformation pictures go, um, I think that they are a necessary evil in our industry. Um, I know that there are people that fake them. You know, there are people that, you know, some people just run them through filters um, you know, some people actually use Photoshop and I've seen it happen when people have been accused and, and rightfully so of running before and after pictures through Photoshop. A lot of the stuff that you end up seeing in, in magazines and even on some of those infomercials, this is interesting. You'll get a kick out of this. Um, they're not before and after pictures. They're after and before pictures. So what they'll do is uh, they'll take the glossy abs picture and then they'll go on like a four-day bender and eat everything in sight and gain a ridiculous amount of water weight and then show up with without the spray tan or whatever. And then they'll take then they'll take the before picture afterwards. And and that's a little a little industry trick there. Uh, I made a you know, and those things are so easy to do. It's it's almost laughable. I made a video on on Instagram a couple months ago. I, I'll I'll find the link. And you can put it in the show notes on your site or something so people can, can take a look at it. And it was it was a little short little 90-second reel I made on there. It said, how to fake a before and after picture. And I woke up in the morning, and I went to my bathroom, and, and the light comes in on the side, right? You want overhead lighting to show up all your cuts and make yourself look amazing and show off your tan. But it was sunlight coming in in the morning at 8.30. So I'm like, all right, watch this. I'm going to take this picture, boom. And then, like, I went to the gym. I got my, I got all sweaty and all pumped up. And the abs, and I got to go, now, I'm going to go find, there's a bathroom in the basement that has this ridiculous lighting. Go see, we'll see what it looked like. The, and then I put the two pictures side by side. And I was like, those pictures were taking an hour apart. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. And that's what, you know, the people know what angles to use. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't. <laughs> like, it's part of the game. Uh, but I will say, I've, I've never, ever doctored a before and after picture. Um, you know, I've always used real people, you know, real clients. Um, you know, and, and it's a shame when there are so many people that so obviously don't. Um, I've even been accused a number of times of 
faking before and after pictures. One of my favorites was I had a client once who had his picture taken. Uh, he had a bunch of tattoos. He had his picture taken for the first one. And then he held up his pic, his, his uh, uh, iPhone in the mirror to take the second picture. And some uh, one guy comments and starts, starts saying, his tattoos have totally changed. This is such a scam. <laughs> and I went, it's, it's a mirror, dude. In the second picture, it's in the mirror. They're flipped. And he was adamant about it. And luckily, uh, the guy who actually was, I was, it was on Facebook. I was able to tag him. Uh, he was an old student of mine, actually. His name was Blaze. I said, hey, Blaze, why don't you come tell this guy this is actually you? And he starts going, ha, ha, ha. You ever heard of a mirror, dude? <laughs> you know, that sort of a thing. So, yeah, I got a kick out of that one. But, um, you know, before and after pictures, Layson, I can't hate on them. They're, they're a part of the business. They're a part of the game. They're your brochure as a fitness coach. Um, but uh, I, I do think the, like, you know, lose 50 pounds and get shredded in 30 days, like that sort of a thing. Like that's just, eh, you know, that, that, that seems like sleazy marketing to me. If you're, if you're losing 30, you know, 30 pounds in 30 days or something, um, you know, unless you've had gastric bypass surgery or, or you know, I've, I've seen it happen in cases like that. And in many of those cases, that's completely uh, uh, legit. But to think that you're going to lose a pound per day, first off, it's, it's basically physically impossible to lose a pound of actual body fat per day. You know, you're, you're losing things like, you know, cellular glycogen and stomach content and, you know, water weight. And frankly, you're probably losing muscle mass too if you're losing it that quickly, especially if you're not weight training. So, uh, but then, you know, in general, it is what it is, you know, that's just part, one of those uh, necessary evils of the fitness industry. Jason, maybe your thoughts on nutrition, like really good foods, really bad foods or vitamins. What do we need to know? Well, when it comes time to create a diet, first off, everything varies by individual. Um, we give our clients macronutrient targets to aim for as the primary method um, of dieting. Uh, it's, it's a concept called flexible dieting. Um, one of the two, excuse me, two of the biggest reasons that people quit a diet are number one, they're forced to eat foods that they don't like, right? When someone starts a diet, one of the first things that they think is I need to eat healthy. So what do they do? They go to the grocery store and they get all these foods that are perceived healthy, right? And a lot of them have something I like to call the health halo on them. You pick up your kale, you pick up your broccoli, maybe you pick up your almonds and your chicken breast. These things that you think are healthy. Well, in reality, there are no foods on the planet that are going to inherently cause fat gain or cause fat loss. The only thing that's going to cause fat gain or fat loss is either an overabundance of calories or being in a calorie deficit. Those are the two things that are going to cause your fat gain and your fat loss. And calories are the number one part of the equation, right? But after you get past your calories, easily the next most important part is what sort of a macronutrient ratio are you eating each day? And, and macronutrients, there are three main macronutrients for anybody who is unaware. And those three main macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, and fats. Right. Your three main things. And of those three different macronutrients, protein, especially when dieting, is far and away the most important. 
And there are a number of reasons that protein is far and away the most important macronutrient. First off, it gives you a metabolic advantage. Um, in any food that you eat, there's something called the thermal effect of the food. And what that means is you eat it and it requires your digestive system to burn a certain percentage of that food's calories just to process it through the body. Right? It's a part of our digestive system. And protein has far and away the highest thermal effect of food at 25%. This means if you are eating protein, 25% of protein's calories, poof, vanish just like that. And it's like you never ate them. That's the first reason why protein is the most important uh, macronutrient of the three. The second reason protein is the most important macronutrient is because it spares muscle while you're in a calorie deficit. When you're in a calorie deficit, you're purposefully eating less food than you need strategically in order to lose body fat. That's the, that's the entire purpose of dieting in a nutshell, right? So we know we're in a calorie deficit. We have our calories set up properly. And when we're losing body mass, we can lose it in one of, of a number of ways. I already mentioned there, right? You, you're losing weight. It, it could be some stomach content. could be some colon content, cellular glycogen. Uh, could be water weight. could be a, a variety of different factors. Or it could be fat or it could be muscle mass. Right, um, And we want to do everything that we can to make sure that if we're losing actual body mass, we're losing 100% fat and we're maintaining all of our muscle for all the reasons that I previously stated when I was talking about why you know, I think everybody should essentially be an amateur bodybuilder. Right, uh, Muscle is, is, is a myriad of benefits that I've already discussed in this podcast. Um, and then finally, last but not least, protein is far and away the most filling of the three macronutrients. If you cooked a pound of protein, uh, a pound of protein, excuse me, if you cooked a pound of lean chicken breast and a cup of frosted flakes, they have around the same number of calories. Which one of those two things is going to fill you up longer? The pound of chicken breast that's over here or that cup of frosted flakes, right? Um, and, and so protein, if most people, that, that, that's another thing. If most people were eating adequate amounts of protein, whole food protein too, uh, animal protein, sorry vegans, uh, but uh, animal protein is far and away the most bioavailable um, and both, uh, most nutritious source of protein that is out there. Um, but if, if pe most people amped up their protein intake, um, they would find it much, much easier to diet because they'd be more full. They'd have a more sustained energy source, um, and, and yeah, they would be maintaining that muscle specifically when combined with resistance training too. Um, you know, in many cases, they could probably build muscle even while in an energy deficit, uh, which is really the holy grail of fitness if you're able to, to burn fat um, and gain muscle at the same time. Um, so anyways, we give our clients uh, a protein target. Um, and, and if you're looking for a protein target at home, um, a real easy way to figure one out is whatever you think would be like your absolute dream weight. Like, and I mean, like you would be Jeff and, and Lace, you would be 10% body fat at this weight. Maybe I tell some people your high school senior weight might be you know, right around that amount, right? For both guys and girls, uh, assuming you were in, in, in pretty decent shape when you were in high school. Uh, but if you took that number and ate that many grams of protein each day, um, it, you'd be hard pressed uh, to not lose fat um, just by simply 
having that one habit change uh, and start incorporating that into your life. Uh, but our clients get a, a protein target, a carbohydrate target, and a fat target to aim for. There's a little bit of variation between the carbohydrates and fats. Um, our, 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 we are not super low carb by any means, uh, but we're not super high carb. It just really depends on the person. A lot of it is personal preference. When you start getting, there are some people that do really, really well on a lower carb diet. Um, and there are some people that do really, really well on a higher carb and lower fat diet. Um, so that more varies by the individual, uh, but with flexible dieting, what we do is, uh, we don't give any specific instructions as far as you must eat this. There, we do not have a do not eat list. There's no foods that are on your do not eat list, even alcohol. We have lessons. We say, when we tell people, look, if you're going to diet, you do need to know that as soon as you start drinking alcohol, all your metabolic processes stop on a dime and your body does everything that it can to eliminate that alcohol from your system. So you are going to stop gaining muscle. You're going to stop burning fat and, you're, and your body is instantly going to go into poison control basically because you are ingesting a poison and no shade i I love having myself an alcoholic beverage or two on the weekends you know don't get me wrong but it's important to make sure that we we understand what we're truly doing to ourselves when when we're doing that right um but we don't have any do not eat list and there are no foods that you must eat uh, but we provide flexibility within a structure um and because of that that's a big reason why our clients get sustainable long-term results. I mean, we have many clients that have been with us since 2013, 2014, um, ever since then. And, and they haven't gone anywhere and they're still kicking ass and taking names. And it's just been such a pleasure to see their bodies change um, and to see them change as people and, and, and to gain that self-worth. And we, we talked earlier about identity and how important identity is and, and, and seeing people People's identities change as their bodies have transformed and as their bodies have changed because, I mean, really, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, looking good is, is one thing, but it's, it, it breeds that confidence in you when, when you start realizing, if I follow this process and work hard at this thing, look at all the good that came from it. And then that just starts to bleed into all other aspects of life. And you start to say, well, you know what? I did it with fitness over here. So maybe I can do it with my relationships. Maybe I can strengthen my relationships with my wife and kids. Maybe I can, you know, uh, get a, get that promotion or, or move jobs because I, I hate my job. Or maybe I can start my own business. I've seen lots of people do that. And I've seen, seen the opposite, too. I've seen you know, husbands and wives, you know, being able to get out of what were abusive relationships because they finally got the strength after, you know, transforming their body and everything. So, um Anyways, I, as you can tell, uh, I go on uh, tangents sometimes. I think that's the old teacher in me, man. We used to have to fill up those 15-minute class periods, so I'm used to just talking and talking. No, I love it. I love it. Jason, one, uh, one before we start fun. So when I was working out and dieting and eating, right, one of the things I enjoyed, I tried all the protein bars and different shakes, but the one I ended up with was Cliff Bars. Good, bad idea? Not bad, not bad. But again, um, one thing that I shy away from is labeling foods as good and bad. And the reason I don't like to label foods as good and bad is because it start, when you start saying good and bad, now you're starting to discuss morality almost, right? You know, you're starting to think of good and evil. And 
it's one of the reasons that people fail at diets is because they eat something and they, they feel badly. Like it's like they're emotionally attached to that food that they eat and it becomes a negative with their self-worth and they start beating themselves up about it. I like to tell, you know, it's just a concoction of ingredients. You know, it, it didn't murder anyone and it's not an angel or a saint either. It has nothing to do with morality. Um, so Jeff, what I'll tell you is as long as it, I'll tell you the same thing I tell a client, as long as it fits in your calorie goals, you enjoy it, um, and, and then yeah, absolutely. That 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 it's a wonderful thing to eat. Me personally, I think the Cliffs bars are a little bit too many calories for for my liking, um, and that's just because I like to eat other whole foods. It has nothing to do with the Cliff bar itself. Um, I do like Quest bars. Uh, those I think they're about a hundred calories less. Uh, than the Cliff Bars. And Quest has, has a pretty good line. If Quest wants to sponsor me, if there's anybody out there from Quest that's listening to this, hit me up. <laughs> we'll just send it to them. We'll, we'll just send the podcast to them. <laughs> please, please do. I'm a huge fan of their lemon bars. I can eat those all day long. <laughs> well, Je- Jeff, should we go ahead and have, start having some fun here with some fun questions? I think so. This, I mean, we've got so much information and and I think we're not letting Jason off the hook because you and I can keep this going for so much longer. But let's do some no fun and then we'll lock him in, maybe take some questions from listeners and, and do a part two. Exactly. Okay. No, I'd, I'd, yeah. love, I'd love to do that. That'd be cool. Sure. Lisa, why don't you start with some fun stuff? Jason, what's on your playlist when you're lifting? <laughs> uh Gangster rap. <laughs> it definitely is. It's uh, um, I I've, for a long time I was listening to like uh, you know the Easy E, Pandora stations, old NWA, uh, Snoop, Dre, Eminem, that sort of a thing. Um, recently, I'm uh, you know the past couple years actually, I'm I'm really into the Kanye West, Jay Z, uh, Biggie. Uh, Kanye West right now is far and away my favorite artist. Like his 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 stuff is just. It's so unique and different. It's funny when he very first came out, I, I really didn't like him very much. Like in the early 2000s and when went Through the Wire and College Dropout came out. I'm not sure if you guys know any of these albums I'm talking about. Uh, but Through the Wire and College Dropout came out. I was like, oh, man, what an arrogant asshole and this and that. But I, I, it's something like when I started my business, then all of a sudden his songs started making a lot more sense. And he's very different. Never talks about you know killing people or guns or anything. It's all about, you know, uh, you know, positive messages and being an independent thinker. But anyways, uh, it's, it's rap. It's all rap. I, I can't get away from, from rap. What can I say? I went to a private school and I was a white kid from the suburbs. So it's all gangster rap for me. That's the way we all were. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. okay. You're a baseball player. So I think you will, you would appreciate this one. Okay. What is your entrance music? If you're coming into the game, you're coming in from the bullpen. What is your entrance music? Oh man, my entrance music. Uh, it would probably, oh man, that'd be tough. Cause the thing is like, I love rap, but it'd be so hard not to have enter Sandman as your entrance music. Right. I mean, that was like, that was the greatest thing when Mariano Rivera came in with it's like, Oh, just amazing. Um, um, maybe blind by corn. I feel I feel like the like when you're in that exact position, you got to have something that isn't necessarily rap. Like it, that feels like a heavy metal moment to me. So yeah, I'd, I'd go with something a little bit heavier with a guitar riff. Uh, so yeah, maybe Enter Sandman or Corn or oh, actually, if I had to pick a rap song though, it would be Run This Town, 
with uh, Jay-Z, Kanye West, and Rihanna. Those three. So if I had to pick a rap song, that would be the one. We're going to run this town tonight. You know, that, that, that's a good one. Jeff, one more, and then I'll let you get to, get to your list of questions. Okay, you mentioned bodybuilders earlier. Arnold versus Ronnie. Oh, gosh. Uh, Ronnie, uh, for just the sheer absolute alien monstrosity that he was. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen Have you seen his recent documentary? I did, it, yes. It was, yeah, it's very it's, sad. It is. It is sad. And, and well, that's... <laughs> I, I guess I could, the weird part is you can almost see why he's he's like that now. I mean, my God, the weight that that guy used to lift, like those old videos, are just, holy crap. Um, so, I mean, you got to say Ronnie's the GOAT. Uh, but as far as look goes, I'd much prefer Arnold's look. It's just such a such a classic, clean sort of a bodybuilding look. Um, so uh, I guess I kind of sat the fence on that one just in case either of them hears this podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want him kicking my ass or anything. I, I don't know. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> That's okay. You brought up the Yankees, so I'm good with everything. Jason, we have a thought-provoking question. Pick a number from 1 to 65, and all three of us can answer. Pick a number 1 through 65. Yeah. Um, let's go uh, 37, my old baseball number. What's your definition of heaven? Mm, my definition of heaven. Oh boy. Um, I have a full gym with anything that I want and I'm the only person in it. Um, I have a sauna and a cold plunge and all you can eat Brazilian steakhouse within the heaven, uh, within the heaven, <laughs> within, within the gym. Uh, my wife and kids are with me and, and all the people that I love for all of eternity. Um, and there's a big body of water. It could be an ocean or it could be a lake, but it's it's nearby. Um, so I get to spend my days lifting, eating all of the foods in the Brazilian steakhouse, hanging out with my family members. And then when I'm done with that, uh, we all get to either, I, I can go fishing or just be on the water. and be. I love big bodies of water. They're like, my, they're my favorite thing, going to an ocean or I live up here in Michigan. So we go to Lake Michigan every year uh, as a family. I got a bunch of friends on lakes and, and I don't live on a lake now, but that is the goal after the girls move out of high school to to move to somewhere up here. There's lots of lakes up here. Uh, so we're hopefully going to make that dream come true in about 10 years or so. Lisa. I'd say a big enough backyard to invite all my friends and probably some picanha and, and some different cuts on the grill. And, you know, uh, uh, lots of great conversations with, with all my friends talking to each other and just uh, having fun. And yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe an occasional, you know, bottle of bourbon, you know, is, it pulls, you know, is, is, you know, comes out and, 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 and makes its way around. But, uh, but definitely that would, uh, that'd be one where everybody's well, smiling and happy and, and enjoying themselves. And, and there's no hangovers in heaven, right? So you're going to feel <laughs> there, amazing. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's the game changer. I would go with similar. I'd say all my family and friends, like Jason said, all the players I've coached over the years, because I want to see all their Im- impersonation impressions of me but i'd have jimmy buffett in the corner i'd have basil hayden in my right hand i'm gonna invite you two guys and uh yeah so just family and you know those that have gone before me you know getting them all back together so all right jason we have our top 25 now so you get to pick a number between one and 25 21 
Okay, 21. Did you sit at the cool kids' table in high school? Yes or no? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, he's 6'8". No one was messing with uh, him. I was 6'8". I, was <laughs> I, I, played, I played basketball and baseball, so yeah, I, I sat at the cool kids' table. <laughs> All right, quick hitter. Favorite concert? Favorite concert? Um, 2001, I went to the Up and Smoke Tour, um, and the Up and Smoke Tour was possibly the greatest hip-hop rap concert that has ever been put on in the history of concerts and it was here was the lineup it was warren g and nate dog r.i.p nate dog um it was ice cube it was eminem and then it was snoop dog and dr dre came on at the end and it was i was 19 years old and i was like you could, i could die right now like i'm just in heaven at this thing um so yeah that was my favorite concert of all time and I, there's there's no such thing as a second place <laughs> there just isn't for one night Pro athlete or famous musician? Famous musician. And that, that's got to be just the rush of having. And pro athlete would be sweet. It would. But think about like your average you know, NBA game. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool and whatever. But to be like the guy up on stage and have 20,000 people going bonkers for you. I mean, that's got to just be an unbelievable rush. This has been so much fun. And I promise, Lason, we're going to get them back. But Jason, fill everybody in because your approach to fitness and health and the biggest thing that stuck with me was no more yo-yos. It's sustainable. You're an ordinary guy. Like we got gangster rap. We got... You know, heaven, we got so many great things, but where can people find you, contact you, social media? Sure. Uh, my handle on all social media is AnyManFitness. Uh, my most popular social media is Twitter. Um, that's where I have the, you know, the highest, the biggest following. Uh, it's just at AnyManFitness, all one word. Um, I also have an Instagram account um, as well. Same thing, AnyManFitness. Uh, my name, if you want to type it in, you can type it into the search bar as well. It does pop up. Jason Helmes, actually, H-E-L-M-E-S is my last name there. Um, but it's anymanfitness.com. You can hop onto anymanfitness.com as well, and you can check out the website. There's lots of articles. There's lots of freebies. You can see all the various offers we have, um, and you can see that long track record of working with people. We've been in business almost 10 years, um, and uh, we've had a Lots of different men and women. Um, I'd probably say our main demographic is probably the 30 to 55-ish crowd. Um, that, that tends to be, uh, you know, new parents. are, are That's a pretty common one. New parents that kind of let themselves go a little bit. Um, all the way really up to empty nesters who the kids are out of the house and now they want to start focusing on themselves and, and getting in better shape. Um, and we have uh, programs that, that fit pretty much uh, – any sort of a fitness level. And as I said earlier in this podcast, you know, weight training is one of the most all-inclusive things you could ever possibly do. And uh, yeah, when you combine it with a good diet, uh, your body will, will change uh, pretty rapidly, really. So um, anymanfitness.com or uh, like I said, uh, Instagram or Twitter. I am on Facebook too, but not really quite as much. I do have a, I, this is embarrassing to say, but I also have a TikTok account. Um, and, and there's only a couple of videos on it and I was making videos for Instagram and they were doing really well. And I had a couple people go, dude, you should be on TikTok." And I'm like, 
my daughters are on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. So I made an account and there's a few videos on it. To be honest with you, I wouldn't follow me on TikTok. I doubt I'll really do anything with that one. But uh, anyways, if you want to shoot me an email, it's real simple. Jason at anymenfitness.com. That's a good way to, uh, to reach out as well. This has been great, Lyson, and uh, I hope everyone takes advantage. It's, you know, I have so many notes and so many more questions, which we're going to lead to. Uh, he's inspiring, and that's he, what a coach is. You can tell he was a teacher, you know, but he's a coach, and he was probably a great sixth grade teacher, too. And uh, Jason, on behalf of all of our listeners in the fifth quarter, I just want to thank you again. It it's been a lot of fun. Jeff and Layson, I appreciate you guys having me on. And yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the next segment already. Thank you for listening to the fifth quarter conversations beyond the X and O's with your hosts, Layson Perkins and Jeff Osterman. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave comments on social media. 